Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website www.c3nc.com. you're a guest with us this morning, welcome. We're here to celebrate one name and one name only, and that is the name of Jesus. And um, if you haven't encountered him before, maybe you will by the end of today, because he's awesome. And he's got a great plan for your life. And he chose to die the most incredibly painful death for you. Not for all the good people or all the smart people or all the holy people, but for you, whoever you are, wherever you've come from, he's for you. And and my greatest joy is that you've all showed up this morning. How fun is that? I have to tell you something a little bit funny. About half an hour before you all got here, maybe an hour, I went to get my verse that I'm preaching on this morning up on the screen behind us. And I looked it up in my Bible, and it's where it's been for the last few weeks while I've been reading all the scripture. When we tried to pull it up, it was not the same verse. Same reference, not the same verse. I'm like, that's awkward. Because I'm not prepared for anything like that particular topic, and I don't particularly want to talk about that topic. So I'm like, just look at another version. If you know, clearly it's not that version. Check another version. Still wrong. Three versions later, it's still wrong. So I'm now starting to freak out, thinking, I have imagined I'm about to preach heresy because I've made it up. I've imagined this whole message. So I went in prayer and I'm trying to get my head, you know, in the game. It's such an easy preparation for children. You know what it's like for those of you that have children. It's not exactly peaceful every time you want to leave the house. Anyway, we're in prayer and I'm still thinking, I've got the wrong verse, I've got the wrong verse. What am I going to do? I've got the wrong verse, I've got the wrong verse. So I came out and I've read it wrong. I look in my physical Bible, it's there on the pages I can read it. I'm like... This is not some kind of supernatural phenomenon where I've only been given the verse. It's on paper. Where is the verse? Anyway, it turns out in the top of my Bible, for those of you that feel like you don't know the Bible well enough, you're going to feel like, oh, I'm better about yourself right now. It says 1 Timothy 5, right? That's because 1 Timothy 5 starts down here. What I'm actually reading from is 1 Timothy 4, which is back up the page. Anyway. <laughs> it's all okay, I have prepared the right message and it is in the Bible. Winning! Winning! It was a moment of panic. But today we are kicking off a new series, and as Naomi's already mentioned, Pastor Ryan and Erica are ministering in Canada and no doubt blessing that country and its people and um, just having the best time of hopefully refreshment as well for them while they're there. And um, we just really want to wish them the best time while they're away and we want to do them proud. But to be honest, when I when I get the opportunity to stand on this platform, I don't like being first, okay, because you're launching the new series, which means if you stuff it up, potentially you've set the whole thing on a course it's not meant to be on. So I prefer, like, Pastor Ryan to get up and do the introduction, and then I sit in the little chairs and I'm like, oh, yes, I know exactly where we're heading. Today, that's not happening. So, Dan, best of luck. Whoever comes after me, you may have to clean up whatever I do. But as we think about balance and we think about the festive season, two words don't really sit well together for me. Because Christmas is often about excess, isn't it? For those of you that are well-disciplined and balanced, you probably just nod off now, catch up on a good half an hour of sleep, but you think fabulous. For me, 
The festive season is generally about spending too much. Even though I set a budget, I still just see that one thing that's just like, oh, it's just like 15 more dollars, but it's really good and I know they'll really love it. And once you've done that for everybody, who knows your budget's cactus. So I spend too much, generally eat too much, which is not just restricted to Christmas, but gets worse at Christmas. And then I spend too much time in the sun and I stay up too late and probably drink too much wine as well. So things are not necessarily in balance at the festive season. But then I think about the festive season and the birth of Jesus and why Jesus was born for us. And nothing seems balanced about that either. Like the perfect, sinless Son of God was born to ransom us. That doesn't seem balanced either, does it? So maybe balance isn't really about balance. So I'm sure we all love the idea of a top 10 ways to live a balanced life. Put your pens away, people. That's not happening today. Because if you're anything like me, by the time I get to number three on someone else's top ten, I just throw the pen because I'm completely cactus. So many things to work on in the first three items. And so as I was preparing, I felt the Holy Spirit say, please don't let them feel condemned. Please don't let them feel unusual if they feel like their life is sometimes out of balance. Please don't feel like you haven't got it all together or you're not living the Christian life right if you feel unbalanced. Because newsflash, I think we all do. We all have moments when we feel that way. So relax, take a deep breath. Let's have a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. We're going to have a look at it up on the screen, and then I might read from Passion as well. But it says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Number eight. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So this scripture was written by Paul and he's writing it to Timothy. And Timothy was kind of like his apprentice. So he's giving him a whole lot of instructions in this letter. It's a pretty instructive letter, First and Second Timothy, about how the church should operate and how God's household should look. And um, in one of the little explanations in the bottom of my particular um, version, which is the Passion Translation I've been reading out of, it says this. Okay, I'm going to read from over here because it's too small. You know when you're getting old when you look at something and you're like, I actually can't see that. It's, it's scary. Anyway, it says, Paul imparts to Timothy the wisdom and revelation that is required to plant churches and lead an entire region into spiritual breakthrough. How good is that? I'm up for that. Who wants to lead an entire region into spiritual breakthrough? Some of you are nodding. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure yet. Keep convincing me. But training and training ourselves in truth takes time and it takes effort. And, you know, I currently, I mean, I find this difficult to believe, I don't undertake a lot of physical training, okay? I'm not currently in a heavy physical training program, but I have previously been a participant at times, many times, as I've shared before. And I've learned a couple of key lessons when you go into training. Number one is you need to just start. Just start somewhere. There's not a magic day of the week. You don't have to have a set program. You just have to start training in the thing that you want to do. Begin somewhere. Number two, and I'm very thankful for this, is that there's new mercies every morning. doesn't matter if you miss a session or you stuff up or you forget something because God's mercies are new every morning. It's okay to go again. And number three is that training is about learning. 
You don't have to know it all because you're in training, which means that you're learning and mistakes and doubts and circumstances will come, but training is what brings growth and change in our lives. So training physically brings benefits for a short season. And if I'm not living, breathing proof of that, I don't know what is because I worked very hard a long time ago. It doesn't seem to be paying off so much now. It's not like you do something and then it's there forever. This training is kind of like a tattoo. It's done, it's there. It doesn't happen that way. So training, physical training only lasts for a short season, but spiritual training, training ourselves in the righteousness and the things of God, will last us for a lifetime. And I was wondering about how much time we invest in our spiritual training with ourselves and our getting ourselves into understanding God's word and, and, and being ready. Because you know what? That's the unseen. Physical training is very visual. Whether you do it or you don't, you can see it. I could get some people up here this morning as examples. I did consider it, but I'm not going to. And they could be examples of people that are very good at physical training and people that like me that are not so good at physical training. It's a very obvious difference. But sometimes our spiritual training isn't as black and white as that. You can walk past people on the street and not necessarily know if they're in spiritual training or not. But when you can notice it is when difficulties come and then storms of life come and their ability to stand. That's when the spirit training that's inside of them the Holy Spirit that fuels them when they can stand up underneath that pressure, that's when you can see that they've been able to do it. So I have pushed through some spiritual training sessions in my life, but as I said, I don't feel equipped to talk a lot about physical training because I don't love the feel of the burn. Anybody love that? I just love to get out there. Because I have never had that. I kind of puff and pant and whinge and sometimes cry and I just I just have never had it but I do get lost sometimes when I'm you know digging into something preparing for a message or something I just can't stop reading the bible and confining stuff because I'm having revelations of what God meant or how he wants us to live or something like that I get really excited about it but then other times my bible literally will have a two inch layer of dust because I've gotten caught up doing something else so it's not that I don't want to do those things. It's just that sometimes I don't like them. And I figured that there might be some of you here this morning that are a little bit like that. So I thought I'd bring a couple of easy points for you. So I have persisted in seasons of great pain and trusted God when it seemed that there was trust gone. And on the other side of those spiritual training sessions, I now know that through those trials and circumstances, there's a strength and a resilience in me that wasn't there beforehand. And some of you have experienced that kind of hard training via a personal trainer, and they push you really hard to the point where you want to cry and vomit. Is that just me? Somebody else thrown up in a PT session. Most of the time, I would be feeling so unwell. And sometimes in spiritual training, it's the same. You want to throw up and, and feel sick and cry because of the pressure or the situation that's going on around you. But when you're in training, God never leaves you. He's the same as that trainer right at your side. Go, come on, you can do it. One more, one more, one more. The Holy Spirit is the same. He wants to get alongside you and keep pushing you through. So whether you're training for spiritual fitness or physical fitness, 
you're looking at a long-term process. It's a commitment that you make to yourself to get up and keep going and to keep going and to keep going. So let's have a look at the definition of balance. Balance is an even distribution of weight, enabling someone to remain upright and steady. Upright and steady physically and spiritually are both super important for us. So this is a pretty obvious example, but if we're out of balance, what happens to us? We fall over, right? Does anyone notice as you get older, when you fall, you fall harder, and it's also harder to get back up. So the longer that we've been on this journey, if we fall over, it's hard work. So sometimes I think that's attached for me to my pride. So if I fall over or I drop the ball spiritually or I don't spend time with God or I feel like I've been a bad Christian and I get down, sometimes it's harder for me to get back up because I feel like I should know better. And I feel like, oh, you've done that again. Or if I go around the same mountain, something that God's tried to deal with me before and I'm back around the mountain again. I feel bad. But that's condemnation and that's not from Christ. And so we need to be able to bounce back quickly, knowing that our Father loves us and he's not here to condemn us. Please don't feel that way. But spiritually, if you're carrying something that's heavy, it can make you feel unbalanced. If you've got anxiety or worry or fear, something that's emotionally weighing you down can make you feel off balance. The crazy thing is we've got a Father in heaven that wants to take that from us. He wants to take that load and that burden and make the yoke that we're carrying easy and light. But it's us that get stuck at giving it up because we don't want to sometimes put our hand up. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 11, it says this, Honesty with scales and balances is the way of the Lord. For all the stones in the bag are established by him. The Passion Translation says it like this. The Lord expects you to be fair in every business deal, for he is the one that sets the standards for righteousness. So balance is important to God. And from what I know of him, he's always tipping the scales in my favour. So if I look at the scales and God's on one side and my capacity and ability and talents are on the other, he's certainly the weightier of the two. So he's always tipping the scales in your favour. But balance isn't about us trying to measure up. It's not about us trying to meet an expectation or make everything even. We've got no hope of doing that. That's why God sent Jesus, so that that righteousness that we needed to give us the balance in our lives that we need to live great godly lives was taken care of for us by the grace of Jesus. Our relationship with God was restored because God paid the price for us. But I do believe the key to our lives being in balance is actually about surrender. It's not about us all trying to hold everything and keep everything balanced and make sure I've got enough time with my family and enough time with my friends and enough time here and enough time there. It's about surrendering everything we have to God and saying, balance me out, Father. And sometimes you will be in difficult seasons where you feel like you're running harder than others. And other times you'll sense the Holy Spirit go, just have a little rest right now. This is a marathon. We're in this for the long run. Just have a little rest. Don't need to burn out. But it's the Holy Spirit in your ear like that trainer that helps keep you in balance. Go again, slow down. Go again, slow down. It's him that guides us. So it's actually in our surrender, in understanding what we can't do, not trying to hang on to all the things we think we should do, that we find our balance. 
You know, you can have an ability to stand in a circumstance that's rooted in your depth of knowledge about God, but your faith and how connected you are to God and how alive you feel with God is what fuels you because head knowledge will only get you so far. And sometimes when you've been around church for a while or you've been a Christian for a long time, you've got a head full of knowledge but your faith's gone quiet. And we need to keep bringing that to life and getting the Holy Spirit to breathe on us again fresh so that we can charge on for another day. So when you're in seasons like Nay and Lockie have been in and like we've been in and like loads of other people in business have been in, that you can go, I see, I see what God is going to do ahead of me. And you need to keep putting it out in front of yourself. And if you can't put it there, ask someone to. Just come along to somebody and say, my faith is now really quiet. It's not dead, it's just quiet. And I need someone to like whoosh me along again, give me a push, get me going. I remember thinking about balance this one time, when, this one time, um, when I was at Dubbo Show, when I lived out there, I don't know if I've shared this story before, but I was at Dubbo Show and um, I was with a boyfriend. We'd been a steady thing for about four weeks, sort of serious relationship. It was year eight. Riley's just been in a serious relationship in year eight. So it's ended. But anyway, <laughs> as his father said to him, his only advice his father said was first of all, Honestly, this is how we raise our children. You all think they're so well-mannered, you won't know if goes on home. But anyway, so I was in year eight, very serious relationship, four weeks deep, and Dubbo's show comes up, and so we go to the show, and I'm not much of a rides person. I don't love the thrill of the ride. It makes me feel a little bit anxious. I think it's probably my control issue. So we head towards the Gravitron. So for those of you that don't understand the Gravitron, it is a circular spaceship that you go into and never come out the same. And it spins at a bazillion miles an hour and throws you against the wall so that your arms and legs can't move and the whole game is trying to lift your arm off and get slapped back down your heads, back your eyeballs, watering. It's horrendous. And every fibre in my being did not want to step onto the gravitron. But I also had this conflicting thought of what if he thinks I'm boring and he dumps me? So I went onto the gravitron with my friends and I came off the Gravitron, completely broken. Every time I stood up, I fell over again. I couldn't walk properly, the ground was moving. I looked like some ridiculous person that just had been drinking. It was horrendous. Like, I was really, really unbalanced. And I couldn't figure it out, and I was just trying to be cool about it. So I'd kind of stand up and then run into a bin and fall over again. Like, I'm not talking a little bit, I'm like, fall to the ground. So in terms of coolness, I probably should have just opted not to go on the ride because now it's playing out a whole other way. And then I started to feel incredibly ill, but I'm still just trying to be cool. And then I threw up all over my boyfriend's new Reebok pump high tops. Oh. <laughs> Basketball on the side. <laughs> And I just remember thinking, well, that was a good four weeks. <laughs> never, ever going to marry Andrew Halvey. And if you never listen to this podcast, I'm sorry about your shoes. But it was horrendous and embarrassing, and I could not believe it had happened. And then it got worse because they had to get the St. John's ambulance people, and they could be seen. I drove to the tent, lay down in the tent with ice packs and some kind of tablet under my tongue. Because what had happened is my inner ear balance had been thrown out. And I was rendered completely useless. And it was terrifying. My equilibrium was stuffed. 
And so an equilibrium is defined as a state of balance or a stable situation where opposing forces cancel each other out and where no changes are occurring. My ears were in battle with each other. One side of my head was one way, one side of my head was the other. It's probably a way more medical term for it. But I was completely off balance. And my lesson from that story is that I knew I couldn't cope on that ride. I knew before I stepped foot on that ride, it was not going to be good for me. But my pride pushed me to do it. And we all have limits. We all have things that we know we can't, you know, necessarily, we're not going to be helpful for us. But sometimes because of other people's opinions or things around us, we push ourselves to do something that ends up with us being completely off balance and sometimes even really useless. And the thing I've learned is that we can't be cranky about being off balance if we've done nothing to help ourselves stay in balance. There's natural laws that God has set up for us to keep us in balance. Things like eating well and sleeping and having rest, drinking water, doing some physical exercise are the natural laws God has set up for us. So we can't be cranky when we're completely off balance and we've avoided and ignored all of those things. We have to be able to see that there's logical things that we need to take place in our lives as well as trusting in God. But I've found the Holy Spirit is more willing to guide me when I stay surrendered and when I stay open to his heart promptings. And so one of the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, the one that everybody loves is self-discipline, right? when I think of self-discipline, I think of self. I think self-discipline. I have to do this. This is about me being self-disciplined. But there's a story in the Bible about the vine and the branches. I am the vine, meaning God is the vine, and you are the branches. So we're grafted into him. And it's the same in self-discipline. Where is that discipline coming from? It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So that self-discipline is coming from God to us. So it's not about me trying to force myself. It's about me being in a relationship with God where he can help guide me and train me to be self-disciplined. So it's much easier when you have a relationship with God where you are connected in, when you are knitted into him so that he can give you direction and guidance rather than trying to force yourself to do it. So if sometimes things feel like you're flogging yourself, surrender back to God again. God, what would you have me do in this season? What would you have me do in this moment? And let him guide you. But I am going to confess to you that sometimes it's just so stinking hard to get all your ducks in a row. Does anyone find that? Sometimes I think my ducks have gone to a rave. Like, they're not even in the building, let alone getting in a row. Like, and I... I wonder about it, and I tried to seek for a really like spiritual, deep thought or revelation I could give you about this, because I'm sure that we all feel that way. And then it dawned on me that we're human. We're human. We're all growing. We're all learning. We're humans, and we're supernatural, and there's two sides to us, and there's balance that needs to happen in our lives that can only happen under the guise of Jesus and under the guise of him being able to come in and work within and through us. So our strength comes from him. Our equilibrium is individually managed by the Holy Spirit. 
So what do you have to pay attention to in your life? Because I can only speak from my experience and say that my best learning has come on the other side of some epic fails. Some complete disasters is where I've learned my best lessons. Is anybody with me? Mm -hmm. So I know that my ability to bury issues deep into my heart is not a helpful situation. It's a coping mechanism I learned as a child and it is absolutely useless to me as an adult. And so for me, I have to be conscious when I'm thinking or when I'm trying to avoid something quickly. Sometimes something will come up and I'm very quick to process through it. I'm like, oh, never mind, that'll be fine. It'll be okay, pop that over there in that box and let's keep going. But allowing the Holy Spirit to go, just a minute, um, excuse me, I think that's a little bit tender there. How about we pay a little bit of attention to that right now? And when I, when I give him time to pay attention to that detail and to address that issue, he can arrest my heart and stop me from going down a path that's not going to be helpful. Lack of sleep and stress leads to emotional imbalance within me, which can lead down a very scary mental health road quite quickly. And for me, I have to be aware of that and I have to make sure that I stay well within my boundaries. And so I wonder for you what you need to stay well within your boundaries. What are the things that you need to be aware of? It doesn't mean that you're a broken person or that you're less of a person because you can't keep soldiering on. It just means you're aware of your humanity and you have to go, I need to just be careful of that. I need to watch that. Pay attention to it. You know, I've found that um, the Holy Spirit is like the best chiropractor there is when things are out of balance. And when you feel off or when you can't find God or when your favourite worship song just isn't bringing that same relief to you, when you've got pain or discomfort or a little nagging thought that won't leave you alone, if you run to God, he'll help realign you. Psalm 51 verse 10 says, Creating me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Balance is all about being able to stand strong. And that steadfast spirit comes from us daily going back and saying, Father, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. There's a lot of talk about authenticity around at the moment, isn't there? Hmm. I think we've still got a little way to go. Because sometimes I think when I see things that are meant to be authentic or real, that they still look a little bit sexier than what actual authenticity has looked like for me. Sometimes it's messy and it's raw and the realness is confronting and it challenges issues deep at your core and it makes you think, why do I think that? It's a whole other message. But even though when you get down to the bottom of yourself and when you're real with yourself and you figure out what it is that's throwing you off balance, coming back to the Father and submitting that to him is the quickest and easiest way to find freedom and to get your equilibrium back. You know, if you try and get on a bike after some time off, it will usually end up with a sore bottom. <laughs> Has anyone noticed that? Particularly if you ride proper bikes with those very small seats. That kind of, you know what I'm talking about. I won't describe it any further. But there's more meat on your sandwich than there is bread on the bike. You know? And so there's consequences for this lack of training. And it's the same with spiritual training. If you don't get on the bike every now and again, 
There's consequences. You'll find it hard work. You have to stay in a relationship. You have to get on the bike. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. You have to go into training and stay in training. Otherwise, you'll get hard and you'll want to avoid it and never do it. So we recently got an exercise bike in our house so that Riley can use it when he has his knee up this week. And I set myself a solid, achievable goal for the bike five minutes a day. I hear you jesting and laughing. Five minutes a day. Are you kidding yourself? Have a real go, woman. Like five minutes. Can I tell you, I have whinged, avoided, death stared, given that bike a stink eye on more days than I can tell you. Because I puff and I pant and it hurts. And it's five minutes. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then as I was riding yesterday, the Holy Spirit was like, you know what? Some of my kids feel this way about reading my word. They feel the same. It nearly kills them. Five minutes in the Bible's like, no, I can't even. What have I opened? I'm in Ecclesiastes or somewhere and people are dying and they're laughing and they're happy and they're saying, what is this even? And the thing is, when we go into spiritual training, it is like physical training. It is hard work initially. It does push you to the end of yourself. You do have to push through. But I'm believing that my five minutes a day will be able to become 10 minutes a day and then 30 minutes a day without me whinging. Right now, that seems a long way off. My bottom still gets sore. But I've got to start somewhere. You have to get to the point where you start to find some gold and some truth and some revelation. And you might not see the results instantly, but it's a habit that you're starting that will bring results, that will bring fruit. So my wrap-up of this whole balance thing really is that if I'm all in with Jesus, then he's going to take charge and take the lead and help me sort out what it is to live a balanced life. But to be able to do this, it's not a mucking about kind of faith. It's not a hokey-pokey, one foot in, one foot out. It's a well-tended garden. It's planting and watering and checking and being there through the dry seasons and being there through the good seasons of harvest. It's being prepared to stay committed. It's that kind of faith. And I felt as I was preparing this morning that God wanted to say, it's okay, I've got you, let's go again. It's okay, I've got you, let's go again. If the enemy has turned up and tuned into your frequency and he's been tormenting you with silly, annoying thoughts or trying to pull you into some kind of thought that you're done, that's it, that's about as good as it's going to get for you. It's all over. That dream that you had, yeah, sorry, must have heard it wrong. But God wanted to remind us that he's not done yet that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, that he who gave you that dream is faithful to see it come to pass. And I've learned recently that when the enemy comes near, we need to tell him that he's a liar, good and quick. We can't allow him time to come in and set up a little camp in our minds. We can't allow him any ground, not one foothold. Because he's like a crazy toddler. If you give him an inch, he will take a mile. And so we have to get good at telling him he's a liar straight up. And I've been a Christian for a long time, and even I forgot how to do this. There's some things that he was like whispering to me, just tormenting me about. 
And after some Holy Spirit adjustments, God was like, it's okay, I've got you. You just need to tell him he's a liar. Remind him who he is. He is a liar. He is not on the throne. He is not the one that's the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's a liar. And when you call him out and you resist him and you run to Jesus, he's rendered powerless. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take discipline and it doesn't mean that it isn't hard. But this morning I just felt as we closed the service that we might stand together and if there's anything that you need to just say, you know what, you're a liar. It's not true. And I'm not going to receive that and I'm not going to sit under it. Then we might do that. Let's stand together. I'm not going to ask you to come forward this morning because I'm going to ask you to deal with this in your own heart and we will have the altar open afterwards. And if there's something that you feel that you want someone to pray specifically for you, then by all means come forward and we'll do that for you. Before we pray that prayer, I just want to see if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus that would like to meet him, to accept him as their Lord and Saviour. Maybe your life feels out of balance and you want to know this Saviour that can get things in balance for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Saviour, maybe you've believed in God, maybe you've been around religion before, but you've never gone, I didn't understand that Jesus died for me. And today I want to accept his gift of salvation. If that's you, just raise your hand where you are right now and we'll pray for you. It's a simple prayer to get you connected back. Is there anyone this morning that I can pray with? Take a moment. He's a good God. He's a good Father. Father, I thank you that you see the hearts that are gathered here this morning. And Lord God, if there is anyone here under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today, as they make the decision to say, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Jesus every day for the rest of my life. I turn from my sin and I turn toward you, God. I thank you for your son and for your gift of salvation. And I receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now we're just going to take a minute. Remind the enemy that he's a liar. So this is between you and God. This is not about anybody else. Just take a minute. Just let your thoughts rest. Is there anything in your mind that is making you feel less than loved? Anything that's making you feel less than accepted or something that you feel like is a barrier between you and God. Because my Bible tells me that there's nothing above or below us, no height nor depth, nothing angelic or demonic, nothing today or tomorrow that can separate you and me from the love of Christ. That is the truth. So, Father, right now, as we take a minute to still our hearts and think, God, just to think what is going on in our minds. If there's anything that has set up camp in there, God, that's leading us to believe that we are separated from you, Lord God, we confess right now, we lay it down at your feet, we surrender afresh to you today, God. Enemy, you are a liar. There is nothing that can separate me from my Father's love. And this morning I recommit my heart and I cling on to you, God, knowing that you that began a good work in me are faithful to complete it. All authority and power in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that you're for us. 
Thank you, God, that when we fall, you're happy to help us up again. Thank you, God, that you run beside us every day, encouraging us and leading us. Thank you, God, that as we surrender to you, you work out the balance for us, God. Keep us in step with you. Keep us as one with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.com.